On this episode, we are busting out all things business strategy, business systems, and business simplification in pillar two, business essentials. And the top three clips from the past 200 episodes are coming up next. You don't want to miss this. I'm Andrea Maxim, and this is the Profitable Practice Podcast, made for practitioners who are ready to build a six-figure practice with a million-dollar impact that also lets you close your laptop and be present with your family anytime you want to. Together, we will challenge the antiquated ways of running a practice, we'll merge our brick-and-mortar online, and build, systemize, and grow as maximized practitioners. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, again, everyone. This is the second part of our 200 episode celebration of the podcast. And now we are going to break out the pillar two of the maximized practitioner method, which is all about business essentials. So essentially, this is simplifying, systemizing, and systematizing your business. So the top 10 downloads that I found to be the perfect one for this pillar of the maximized um, practitioner method are one is on loans and how loans should not stop you from investing in your business. The second one is very, very similar to our 190371 strategy plan that our team uses to make sure that we are staying on track, staying on target and showing our metrics, showing the scoreboard across the board. This is James Burgess, my accountability coach. This is basically his method through Focus 31. And then finally talking about how I finally reached that pinnacle in my business where if I wanted to grow beyond 300K a year, I had to build a team and all of the things that came with that. So we're going way back. Um, The last episode, which is episode 104 on building a team, I recorded that back in 2019. So if you're watching this on video, because I have all of this on video too, you're going to see the progression in my age and how I look and everything, which is always like the most fun part for me. So the very first one that I wanted to go into is the one with Travis. This is episode 75, where he's going to talk about, and I took away some of the highlights from our discussion on how to strategically navigate your loans, things that you owe, and still grow your business and some very smart strategies for that. So let's jump into that now. And just thinking about it, thinking about the finances, like as soon as we start talking money, there's this whole stigma around talking about our finances and looking at our numbers. And if anybody is like my husband, he just doesn't even open his bills half the time. He just like gives them money and says, I hope that this is paying things off. Right. So let's first start there, because the biggest mental obstacle that happens is we have these these students that are brilliant, they're health-centered and heart-centered and all they wanna do is help people, um, whether it's nutrition, health coach, naturopath, and especially in the naturopathic realm, you know, they're graduating with, as you mentioned, like six figures in debt. And then the next thing is, well, I need to invest in a business. I I need to start making money back. So when you start working with your clients, how do you get over the mental obstacle of, facing the reality that is the cash flow 
and then get them to um, move forward beyond that so it's not such a burden. Yeah, I think that the the first thing you got to do is stop looking at the past and saying shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, it's, you know, anything that's already happened has already happened and you can't change it. So definitely it makes sense to just, you know, think about it briefly, but then you want to figure out what lessons that you can use from that and just move forward with your life. So that's that's a big problem that I find is people a lot of times want to put their head in the sand, kind of like an ostrich, you know, it's like just pretend it's not a problem and maybe it'll go away. Like that's that's not the do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think that you, you made a great point with with people that are just very focused on helping people. They're really passionate about about what they're learning and putting it into practice. Uh, but but, you know, a lot of times I think you've got these schools that really kind of take advantage of people and charge people way more. Uh, then, you know, I'd really like to see people pay intuition. Um, so the first off is like not blaming yourself, like just giving yourself permission to not feel guilty for all the decisions that you made in your life. That's like the first step, step mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, a step two would be a little bit more practical. Um, the It's very hard to make a good long-term plan for your student loans if your short-term cash position is really messed up. So a lot of times, like, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, okay, do you have credit? How much do you have in the bank? You know, what does your budget look like? And so we'll have discussions just about making sure that that short-term picture is okay and you have a good relationship with money just in general. And then the next step is figuring out the big student debt and figuring out what to do with that. Because once we've gotten like through those first two steps, it's okay, right? Like we've mm-hmm. already destroyed and slayed the, the sort of blame yourself kind of mentality. And the second step, we've fixed that that cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And once those two things are slain, then we can focus on that third step, which is figuring out the student loan plan. Right. So before we break that down, because I'm sure everybody wants to hear that part, my initial thought is, okay, so I've forgiven myself, which I'm sure takes a lot more than just saying it. Um, I, I know what money I have to play with in my bank. The next question is, so I want to start a business. I need at least maybe $10,000 to really get my business up and running. How do you then approach people that need to take out another loan to get things going while they still have this student loan? And again, the mental part of this as well as planning it all out. Right. So then that you're going to make more money as a business owner, you know, long term, you know, with a very high probability like there yes there are some people that would make more money as an associate as an associate because they're just not they don't have that business owner mentality mm-hmm. but yeah. most people once they get over the confidence issue will make more money as a business owner so the question is is whether you have to go to a bank to get that financing or you have to uh, use your savings or whatever it is mm-hmm. you've got it you've got to take that next step so a lot of times what I'll tell folks is you know the student loans are a very important piece of it, but you don't want to lose like the forest for the trees and, and right. being financially successful with your degree means owning your future and having your own practice. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll, we'll talk d- about different ways that they can do that from a, from a practical standpoint. And yet we still haven't even seen one patient yet. So how do you start to navigate around the realism of starting a business? Yeah, well, I'll I'll blame one of my friends here and tell you how not to do it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I I had a friend who recently he spent about forty thousand um, dollars on starting a business, and during that period where he was spending all that money, he maybe had like two or three thousand dollars of revenue. So what he was doing was trying to get to the point where he was already you know investing in things to scale, 
but he didn't even have that basic foundation laid yet. Yeah. So what I would tell anybody who's starting a naturopath business is you want to keep your fixed costs very low, as low as possible. And that not, doesn't include just your business, that's your personal life too. Mm-hmm. So, so many people, like they graduate after all this arduous work and higher education, they're like, you know what, I'm a doctor, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy a, a car, because normal adults with my level right, of education right. deserve a car, right? Or a house, or you know, a trip to uh, the Caribbean, or whatever it is. And so, that, that first step is, at least for this period where you're gonna experiment having your own business, that stuff has to not not exist or be very limited. So you're kind of living like you're in a desperation uh, poverty mode for those first two or three years of business and having that expectation with you and your family that it's going to be really lean. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to go out to eat all that much. You're not going to have a, a big car payment. You're If you're going to buy a house, you're going to delay that goal and really making yourself as, as you know, removing as much stress as possible mm-hmm. by having low fixed costs. So it's like the personal side of the equation. And then for the business side of the equation, you know, get creative. You know, you don't have to necessarily take out this giant space, like start small, you know, undercharge for your services perhaps at first, because, you know, if you charge what an experienced doctor is, uh, you know, maybe people aren't going to come see you right away because mm-hmm. you're not offering a compelling reason. Mm-hmm. So, so if you, if you give away your services at a lower price point or you take, uh, you know, you, you accept more generous, uh, um, or I should say less generous, uh, plans, you know, from people, uh, then, then you'll get that revenue in the door. And then once it's coming in the door and you have some level of profitability, even if it's really small, then you can optimize things. Yeah. You can say, okay, maybe we don't take this plan because the reimbursement's really low. Or maybe we you know, get a bigger space because we're overflowing on patients and we're working you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and that's not sustainable. So those are a couple tips. So what other kind of cool um, techniques have you seen your clients use to pinch a few pennies here and there? Yeah. Um, hmm. so, so there's a lot of really expensive healthcare focused software out there mm-hmm. that you're supposed to buy because it's the latest and the greatest and it's compliant with everything. And uh, I mean, I think that you want to go as simple as and effective as possible to the extent that you can. So like I have this amazing calendar uh, feature where people can book and reschedule. Uh, it's called Calendly. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's so easy and you know, you don't have to pay, you know, a, you know, $500 a month for some fancy firm to mm-hmm. set it up and implement it for you, you can pay whatever it is, like 10 or 20 bucks a month. And yeah. um, like there's this chat bot thing uh, on um, that I have on my site that uh, it's called Olark and I put that in, on my site so when people have questions, like they can just click that button and it's really obvious that you can contact me and you know chat and I think I saw something like that on your on your site um, yeah, as well. Yeah, it was totally so, free, yeah. Yeah, and so if you have somebody sitting at the front desk or someone like that, then like absolutely they should be logged into that all day. Like so if somebody has a question and they happen to be on your site, they can just click that button and ask and get a live answer. Yeah, um, perfect. So those are some things. Uh, if you're in an area that's kind of um, you know not super competitive with, with a lot of other doctors around, then uh, I would say stuff like Facebook ads. You know, I mean, you can target people and mm-hmm. limit it to very small geographic area and you can do all kinds of things with, um, you know, sending people to, to booking landing pages and, and, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do there. Uh, so I think that, that I'm going to spend $50,000 and I'm going to have a successful practice is so totally not true. You probably could get away with just like at least somewhere to practice and then, you know, uh, 500 bucks or something like that for various software and you'd be off to the races. Perfect. 
I'm not too shameful to say I lived with my parents for the first three years of my business and I refused to move out of my parents' house unless I was living with somebody else. Like I wasn't going to try to be some like big fancy adult and have my own space because I was an adult. I was like, forget it. I'm not throwing money away just for rent so I can say I live in my own apartment. I was so fine living at my parents' place until I met my now husband and we bought a house together and split all of the costs. So how, what are some easy techniques that people could start to really implement today? And I Yeah, I mean, we'll actually have, we have a CFP on staff um, that pe- people have very sort of severe budget issues. Mm-hmm. What we actually have a separate like budget consult thing. Uh, and what he does is uses ment.com. So oh. M-I-N-T.com. Okay. Um, yeah, ment.com. And it's just a, a financial tracking uh, software. It's free. Okay. And you can, you can upload all of your account information, your credit cards, your bank accounts, and you can see what you're spending money on. That's the first step is to mm-hmm. know where it's all going. And one of the tools that we use is we'll have, and if it's like a couple, for example, we'll have um, people rank their top five spending areas in terms mm-hmm. of importance to them. Got so, it. so we'll say, okay, maybe you have a family and it's housing, uh, daycare, you know, car transportation slash transportation, travel and eating out or food, right? And so we'll have you rank those those five big categories and then, you know, and then we want both people to kind of agree on their list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might that might be a discussion. And so then once you once you've got your list, then you go through everything and, and for the number one and the number two most important categories where all your money's going, we're we're gonna probably suggest you keep most or all of that spending. We might have some slight cuts in, in number three, mm-hmm. and then number four and five are where our most extreme cuts will happen. And that's intentional because, you know, maybe your um, Zuma class is the most important thing to you in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's the one thing that keeps you sane at yeah. the end of the week, right? And maybe that cannot go, right? right? But but then you look at your spending and you're like, wow, like I didn't even remember that I like went to, you know, that Brazilian steakhouse with people from, you know, work and like mm-hmm. I don't even remember that experience. That's a great signal that that's something that could go, yes. or that's something that could get cut back, right? So then, you know, with like mint.com, you can have uh, categories, you know, that you kind of cap yourself at, and mm-hmm. then they'll alert you if you're going over that category. So, awesome. yeah, so that's what we will typically do is just to make sure that the cuts are coming out of areas in your life where, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't find value in where the money's going. OK, cool. So hopefully, depending on where you are in your business, for sure, this could be for the new grad. But I feel like no matter what year you you're in, you're always struggling with investments, with balancing your books, staying in the black as much as you can, trying to get out of the red. I know I didn't get officially out of the red until probably five years into practice. And I was like $20,000 in debt every single month. And yet my husband still married me, which is nice. Um, so hopefully there was some insight there. Now we're going to jump into the conversation with James Burgess. This is a way back playback episode 22. And he's going to talk to you about his eight simple strategies for creating a business plan without a business plan, without spending like weeks upon weeks strategizing and organizing and thinking all these things, how you can basically set up your business plan. So it's just like ours. You do a like 90 minute annual review. 
you have your quarterly reviews, your monthly reviews, and then your weekly tasks and targets. And then of course, us and our team with our 190371 plan, same type of thing, is we will have meetings for every single one of those sessions so that we can stay on, on track. And I'm happy to say this is the first year where we have literally been on target, if not exceeding our target. And a lot of that has to do with everybody knowing what the scoreboard is at all times. So let's jump into that clip now. So what I wanted to share with everybody here is, is, the, is, is, is a bonus, and it's the eight secrets to sustaining your business plan indefinitely. And uh, the step number one, or secret number one, I should say, is of course, in order to sustain the business plan, you have to have one. And so secret number one is create the business plan by getting it down, then getting it right. I meet mm-hmm. too many business owners who spin their wheels spending months and months and months creating 25 and 30 and 40 page documents that never get completed because, well, the business started going and it started going in a completely different direction and they never went back to the plan. But they're still not really sure about who they are. They're just going where the business takes them. There's no synergy. It's just the clients, the opportunities are controlling everything and typically that doesn't go well. So you have to get it down on the basis of uh, get the business plan down on the basis of get down what you know now and get it right over the course of time. We as business owners have to stop thinking that we need to that we will know everything from the get-go. This is a learning journey. It's a learning experience. You know what you know. We know what we know, but what we know is never enough for us to individually achieve the greatness that we so often want to achieve and presently only dream about. And that's absolutely critical. So allow yourself to relax and understand you don't have all the answers yet. The same applies with us as business owners. We may not know what we need to learn now. So take your next first best step forward with what you do know and allow the universe to catch up or show you the way because it will when you show it that you're interested in growing and becoming stronger, better, faster. It's a very cool mindset approach. So secret number one, get it down, then get it right. Uh, secret number two uh, is, as I said, to spend 15, well, I, I, on my slide here that I'm working from, I say 15, uh, you know, it's probably 30 minutes for the first couple of weeks and you'll get it down to 10 to 15 minutes very, very quickly. But what do you do with that 15 minutes is what's absolutely critical and when you do it. And so um, do not do this on, you know, lots of people, a lot of, a lot of my clients want to do it on a Friday. And I'm going, no, because by the time you come around to Monday, you've forgotten completely about Friday. At the very late, earliest you should be doing this would be kind of Sunday evening after the kids have gone to bed. And you, if, you, if that's a time when you start to think about the coming week, wherever you think about the coming week, get a piece of paper down. And if you want a, if you want a copy of what I use, I'm happy to send it to anyone who writes and says, James, send, please send me your weekly commitment. I'm happy to do that for everybody. Just put it in the subject line. I'll do that. <clears throat> but create a weekly commitment. The weekly commitment has three elements to it. And you should be doing this by 9 o'clock every Monday morning at the latest to lay out the plan for the week. At the bottom of the form, celebrate your successes from the prior week. Three, four, five things that went well. We are too, we, are, we, are, we, we tend to easily as business owners to forget the things that worked and only dwell on the things that didn't go exactly the way we wanted or what caused us pain. 
And if we do that, we never will experience successes or never feel like we're experiencing successes. Yeah, Something you need to did. document the wins. You have Absolutely. to document the wins. Absolutely. And it doesn't even have to be business wins. Sometimes, you know, daughter had an incredible uh, dance competition in Vaughn this, this weekend, and I was so proud to be her dance mom. Yeah. You know, great. Go for it. Whatever makes you feel good and gets your energy up is what's important to be going in there. So uh, at the top, in this next section of the weekly commitment, I have my clients identify no more than four action plans that they're going to do some work on. I'm going to record a selfie video on vision statement okay, uh, this week. But that's not even good enough. There's, there's the little to do I'm going to do because it's going to, the, the, the selfie is going to go on the website. I'm moving in the right direction. But if I just leave it at that, there's a good risk that it's not going to happen this week. right? So what I also insist that my clients do is say, on Tuesday between 7 and 9 p.m., they have to book it into their calendar yep. to create an appointment with themselves to create the commitment to make it happen. Because that way, if somebody is pressing for their time, they have the, the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, I can't see you. I have an appointment. Yes. And you'll say to yourself, but that's an appointment with myself. It's not important. I'm going to say, stop. Appointments with yourself are oftentimes far more powerful for the business than an appointment even with your very best client. That's short term. Appointments with yourself are about the long-term growth of your business. So be careful. If you have an appointment with yourself, tell the client you have an appointment. They yeah. don't know it's with you and book it some other time. Now, if they say it's urgent, then respond accordingly. But then pick up the appointment that's in your calendar, replace the new one, but move your appointment with yourself to another day and time. So secret number, so secret number one, get it down, get it right later. Do the weekly commitment for 10 to 15 minutes a week. Because if you do your weekly commitments and you deliver against them, then that's only a hundred and what 156 weeks is all you have to do in order to achieve your three-year vision. Yeah. Do what you say you're going to do, 156 little pieces of work. Little pieces of work that deliver big projects 156 weeks in a row and you will be so much closer to achieving your three-year vision. Will you be there? Yeah, maybe not, but I know for certain you're going to be far further along than if you never spend any time every week thinking about what has to be accomplished. Totally. So secret number three is just building on this weekly. Spend 30 minutes every month looking back at your business plan, looking at the action plans. Are you getting to them? Have you progressed as well as you should? Making adjustments. Look at uh, the, the targets, the objectives that you set. Break it down into the month, and are you on track? Are you behind? Are you ahead? Okay? So 30 minutes every month. And then naturally after that, you're going to spend some time every quarter because we're creating rolling quarterly plans in any case. So wouldn't we want to uh, go back and review the plan against those uh, quarterly uh, on that quarterly basis? And so spend about 45 minutes every quarter and just do a slightly more detailed uh, monthly review. Because your action plans should have expired. Some should have been gotten, should have been completed, and may need a next step. So review your action plans especially. But the other thing is, you know, against your objectives, three months has gone by. That's a quarter. You're three months, you have three months fewer months to achieve your annual results. And so you better be tough on yourself in terms of where you're at 
Uh, and if you're not there, really get focused on finding information from, from resources around you that have ideas about how you can close those gaps and create action plans to make it happen. Absolutely. Right? Cool. And uh, if, you do, if you do just those few steps, then as I said earlier, once a year, redo the plan. And it won't take you more than 90 minutes. Or secret number six, if you haven't figured it out, because I, I talked about it today and, and, and on the previous call, you have to measure against your objectives. You've got to know what's going on from the big, you know, the, the top end revenue right down to how many leads you're getting from your going to the Chamber of Commerce. If you're spending $250 a year on the Chamber of Commerce, you better make sure you know whether or not you're getting anything for it. Now, it's a relatively inexpensive one anyway, but the time is what's well, expensive. Right? Yeah, is it even worth your time? Is it worth exactly. your investment? Absolutely. And so you've got, you know, the only way to know is to measure what you're getting from it. Secret number seven, celebrate the successes. Um, I had, I'll share a quick story. I had a client many, many years ago. He's a young kid. And at the very early stage, we got into a bit of a disagreement, a friendly disagreement, but a disagreement nonetheless, because we got through the vision statement brilliantly, mission statement brilliantly, and then we got to revenue for the current year. And I said, so Peter, what do you want to earn in your first year? Um, and he said, uh, $60,000. Now, Peter was between the ages of 22 and 24. And, and I was an old guy and, and experienced and uh, had seen so many failures from startups that uh, I said, that, that's, that's too much, Peter. You, 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 right. you, you know, I, I think it should be more like 30000 He said, no, it's going to be 60000 I said, Peter, come on. And we went back. And it was like a tennis match, ping pong. Probably ping pong because the ball goes across a little faster. Um, and I was getting frustrated with him because he was just being so hard-ass about it. And I finally got to, you know, I stopped and said, okay, I'm not getting where I want to get to. So I turned the question around. I said, Peter, why do you think it has to be 60000 He said, James, if I can't earn $60,000 with my business, then I might as well go and get a job. Pretty much. Couldn't argue with him. That quote is in my book, Chaos, so business leaders can master the power of focus. Uh, and uh, we had a coffee together. And uh, I, I finally said to him, so, okay, you know, Tell I, me. I, I know it didn't go well. So, you know, what was the rest? $75,000 he earned in his first year. You know, so I said, I immediately sat down, I said, Peter, what are you going to do to celebrate that success? He said, well, I'm going out for beers with the boys tonight. I said, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, but knowing you as I do, I suspect that most Friday nights you go out with the boys for beers, correct? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, then that's not celebrating this unique win. He called me two weeks later, he booked a trip to, to, to Cuba. So whatever you do, take time to celebrate your wins. And I think the most important part of that story was not once did you ask about the revenue, but you kept him on track. You kept his goals actionable. You kept him going the entire year. He made 15000 more than he anticipated. So it's just, again, showing the power of writing things down, following what you wanted to accomplish, and keeping on top of how you're doing with regards to moving your business forward. Secret number eight and this is, this will sound self-serving, but it's not. It's in your best. It's in all of your listeners' best interest. And the reality is, secret number eight is to retain a business plan advisor for a minimum of 24 months. The reason I say this is because habits aren't formed uh, by doing weekly accountability 21 times. You will fall off the rails. Uh, stuff will pile up. And finally, now we're going to get into 
basically the episode that changed the entire progression of my business that allowed me to step away from the consultations, step away from the stuff that I don't like to do, step into my magic. And now we have a team that has doubled in the past month. So um, now we have six people on our team. We just opened up a new practice. I would not have been able to do any of those things without taking this leap. So I'm just going to let you listen to this part and get inspired for your own amazing quantum leap in your business. So we are right now in the builder phase. So we are at 100K to 300K. In order to get to the next level, which is now approaching 300K to 1 million, what we have to do is we have to build a team. It has been glaringly obvious to me after I did a time study, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, on another episode, that I was spending 50 hours a week in my clinic. That doesn't leave a lot of time for much else in the week if I want to have a good balance or if I want to take a break. So I knew that building a team was kind of the next step that I had to do. Building a team is not only emotionally scary, it is financially scary. It is mentally scary. I have definitely lost a lot of sleep over the past three months. I've been waking up at 5 a.m. And the first thought I think about is, oh, shit, like I'm going to be out of money soon, although that is not the case. Um, It is amazing the transition that has happened. So since joining this program, I have been very focused at putting together a team that is going to help my business grow to the next level, that's going to allow me to step away from the roles that are not within my zone of genius, that are going to help me focus on the stuff that I love to do. And it all came down to two exercises that I did. One was the time study. This time study, I literally documented what I was doing every 15 minutes for two weeks. This is something I've now implemented in the Next Level program and I'm having my students do it as well because that was the tipping point for me to see, oh my goodness, look at how much time I'm spending on doing this stuff when I really want to be doing that stuff. So for me, seeing patients while rewarding from a impact on my community perspective is wonderful. On an impact on me It's just not where I want to be. I love doing these videos. I love doing these podcasts. I love sharing my material with you guys. And if I continue to just focus on seeing patients, I'm not going to be able to do the stuff that is within my zone of genius. So that was the first thing. The second thing I did was I did a DISC assessment. And you can go to TonyRobbins.com forward slash D-I-S-C and see exactly where your adaptive style is and exactly where your non-adaptive style is. So what your natural style is. It was glaring to me that adaptively I'm all about service because I'm serving my patients, but naturally what I want to be is out in front of the camera, interacting with people, supporting them online, sending my emails, being the front of the clinic, but not necessarily doing the clinic work. So with that in mind, I knew I had to hire a project manager and I knew I had to hire an associate to replace me in my Caledonia office, which is the office that I run. Those two things, hiring an employee on a salary was probably the scariest thing that I have done to date in my business 
because now I'm putting my money into the hands of somebody else who I cannot control their outcome. I cannot control how long they want to work with me or be in my business. I cannot control what they end up doing, if they end up liking it, what the um, progress that they make to my business is. All I can do is be the best leader that I can for them to create the most simplified processes that I can do to get them into my business and trust. Trust is probably the biggest and most scariest thing. All right, folks, those were the top three downloaded episodes in the last 200 episodes of the podcast related to pillar two of the Maximized Practitioner Method, Business Essentials. So hopefully it's getting your brain turning. Hopefully you're being a little bit inspired about how you can be more strategic with your time, simplifying your business, and of course, staying on track and being very convicted to the goals that you want to achieve. I am always available for you. Anytime you have a question, you want to book that call with me. The booking link is in the show notes. It's a 30-minute one-on-one call where we can just feel out all the things that are going right or not so right in your business and maybe see if I'm the right fit for you. But like I said in the last episode, celebrate this 200th episode. This is now 201 with me. So do a little bum wiggle, do a little dance for me, and then certainly drop me a DM at Andrea Maxim ND on Instagram. So I know that we're celebrating together because no one wants to celebrate alone. And um, maybe we can even have a little virtual cheers. Uh, but I just love to hear from you guys in any capacity. So go ahead and drop me that DM, give your bum a little shake, celebrate with us. And I will see you on the next episode, which is gonna be the final pillar of the Maximize Practitioner Method, Modernize Marketing, and it is probably the best one of the three. These are my absolute favorite episodes of the top 10 of the past 200 episodes, so you're gonna wanna download and listen to that. I will see you there. I'm Andrew Maxim, and I'm out. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Leave a review and drop me a message on Instagram at AndreaMaximND as I love hearing from you. Just so you know, we also host the video version of most of our episodes on MaximizedBusiness.ca. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode.